knights of me. You are just and fair, and we will return with a shrubbery. One that looks nice. Of course. And not too expensive. Yes. Now, go! Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today, we're going to be talking about the Charlotte Knights, the AAA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. Very happy right now to be talking about this team. One of the the, the classy brands in in all of minor league baseball uh, right now. They didn't go the 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 wacky direction as we're seeing with a lot of teams. We're seeing a much more sort of sophisticated, high level brand for the Knights. Uh, I'll be talking with David Ruckman later on today, who has worked with the team, and we will continue our Studio Simon Stumpers trivia questions at the end of this podcast. Right now, I'm very happy to be joined with. Rob Egan, who is the general manager for the for the Knights. Rob, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, Paul. Great to join you. You are the general manager for a AAA baseball team that plays in a major league city. You have, you know, several major league teams in the other sports there. You have what really is, you know, an, an almost, you know, except for outside of the the seating capacity is a, is a major league ballpark there. It's a beautiful ballpark situated right downtown. I've been to a couple of games there. I went to two games on back-to-back days there. And so I've had the the, the privilege of getting to see a, a Knights game a few years ago. And so I can attest personally that it's one of the one of the great scenes in in minor league baseball. So the whole team has sort of a major league feel about it, even though you know it's it's the highest level of the minors. It's triple A. Obviously, that carries over to the brand itself. Why is it that the team went that direction when so much of minor league baseball is going this other sort of wacky direction? Well, I think it was an organizational philosophy that was really um, probably in place since we started uh, when the team uh, was in Fort Mill. Um, The logo never really had um, a, a cartoonish sense to it or a different name to it. The Knights was always a name that really was relevant to our community because of the fact that Queen Charlotte uh, royalty. um, So it just made sense. And so when the team came uptown and was rebranding from what it had in Fort Mill uh, with the previous iteration in 2014, uh, they wanted to make sure that they captured that, but also had a new look um, that was even more significant uh, to the move to Uptown and to the facility that you were very polite in calling uh, one of the best in minor league baseball. Uh, you know, I, I feel it's the best and and uh, it was just awesome. I tell the story often that, um, you know, I, I got the chance to interview for this position in um, July, late July of 2016. And you know, when I looked at it, and walked in the building and I thought, boy, if I get offered the job, this is going to be pretty tough to turn down because <laughs> it's like you're you're dropped into a postcard. Um, and that was, you know, during the daylight hours when I met and I thought, wow, this is a spectacular place. I've seen pictures, of course, online, but it doesn't do it justice until you walk into it, really. And you see the the skyline just laid out right before you uh, beyond 
beyond the ballpark. And, you know, it's like you're dropped into a postcard. I've said that. And then um, it, it's great during the day. And then at night, it becomes even better uh, because of all the lights and the buildings and just it, it's it's awesome. So um, we wanted a logo in 2014 uh, that, again, signaled a change in the franchise uh, from facility and coming back uptown. And I just felt like the right time to do that. Um, so then we transitioned into uh, a new a refresh of the brand, as we like to call it, uh, recently, which we felt uh, captured some other things that we really wanted to do um, going into our 10th year in this building. So that 2014 rebrand, and we're going to get to why you guys are called the Knights, you know, what what the Knights have to do with Charlotte, North Carolina. But the the 2014 rebrand was with the design firm Brandios, who Jason Klein is a as a regular guest on on this podcast. They are, you know, it's no secret they're known for having sort of wackier brands. And they, you know, they worked with the team. And and as you mentioned, you you came on with the team in 2016. This rebrand was in 2014, so you weren't part of this process. But clearly, part of the the institutional philosophy, as you described it, I like that term, that. Mm -hmm that it was going to be a more serious logo, that it wasn't going to be cartoony. And Brandios is, is sort of known for its cartoony logos. And so it was it was outside their their oeuvre within minor league baseball to do a more serious logo. The, the recent refresh was with David Ruckman. And so I'll be talking with him uh, later on today. And I know he's done some other alternate brands for the team. And so uh, it'll be fun to, to talk about those. Now, the Knights. Charlotte is the queen city. It's one of many queen cities, <laughs> yes. um, but it is it is a very specific – the history of Charlotte is, is pretty specific to a specific queen. Why is it – understanding that you were not there when the name was, was, was chosen or developed, why is it that the baseball team in Charlotte is called the Knights? Why is that appropriate to Charlotte, North Carolina? Well, as you outlined, I think that um, being the queen city uh, or Queen Charlotte, um, that's certainly always been um, – here and present and um, there are certain other things about charlotte um, as with the hornets the nba version uh, by the way uh, we had a baseball version of the hornets long before the nba uh, version came along um, so you know there are certain things that tie into charlotte and certainly the name itself uh, queen charlotte was named after the queen and um, so within that uh, there are different uh, things that you can do with it and uh, there's a medieval uh, form of that which kind of fit the time around her her uh, reign and so knights make sense and if you go around our city uh, we are not the only knights there are a lot of high schools that have that adopted and things of that nature some before us some after us but um, it, it is very much if you drive around this city um, you see crowns all over the uh, uh, street signs uh, it, it's it's embraced by everybody that lives here it's just uh we we really tie into that fabric so knights make sense from that standpoint and has uh for a number of years and because of that connection um you know oftentimes when teams do a rebrand if they move into a new build, building like we did in 2014 or if they're looking to refresh the brand you know they, they might change that nickname uh we had no interest in doing that because the knights have such a connection and such a brand equity that uh, we thought and we didn't want to really do a huge overhaul of the brand either because it was very successful. But we wanted to do some very specific things to make it feel even more Charlotte um, and refresh it. Well, and we'll talk to to David Ruckman about that a little bit. But uh, certainly you talk about the presence of crowns uh, around the city, the 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 
suit of armor with the knight's helmet has featured uh, a crown in in several of the logos over the including the the current one and then the one that Brandios did before that it was a more sort of i i think of it almost like a chess piece right like it looks like a, a chess piece with the horse rather than the knight and so there was a shift in focus in the in the branding in 2014 and it was you know the the previous branding before that was sort of blue and green and had a a, a horse that the that the knight would be riding so the more right. recent branding for the team is really focused on the the knights them, themselves you mentioned so i like to think that listeners of this podcast when they hear charlotte hornets they think of the baseball team first and when they hear <laughs> new orleans pelicans they think of the baseball team first right like that the you know the the the, the people who are listening to this podcast are are going to go there first we we referenced some of the alternate brands that you have done uh, in 2019. I think was the first time I saw it. You did sort of a throwback to the the Knights. It was a 50th, I guess it was a 50th anniversary, or it was uh, a throwback to the Charlotte Hornets, uh, who you know were one of the the Knights' predecessors there. How was that received, and what was the impetus for for paying homage to that team? Very very well, and in fact, it was it was an anniversary of a championship team, the old Charlotte Hornets, and. You know, um, that was a team that um, we had several members, thankfully, that were still with us and were able to join us uh, for for that event. And we just loved that look um, that was of that year. And we thought, why don't we do that for that night? The team will wear it. Um, we'll have some available for retail in the store if people enjoy it. And boy, uh, people really gravitated to that. You know, you have to recreate a little bit of that because it was so long ago. It was uh, mm -hmm. almost six decades prior uh, to that look. So you're going off of grainy photos, you're going off of uh, certain things. And, you know, there are companies that we work with that weren't working with the jerseys and, and the uniforms and so forth, the caps back then. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to kind of uh, get as close as you can to that look. And uh, I think that our team did a great job with that, um, using some of the authentic and original uh, views, along with some of the things that we uh, felt like was close to original, if not the original. And uh, one of the features of that logo was the C cap, just a simple, elegant C uh, that lined up with the Hornets uh, uniforms of the day. And that was one of our hottest selling caps and remains when we reorder it, people uh, take it off the shelves quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking at the the branding right now and the, the thing that we did on sportslogos.net about it. And it, you know, it has that sort of classic baseball script with the underline underneath it. And it says Charlotte baseball. And it has a, it has a very a, a distinctive, you know, sort of half a century ago look about it. And uh, mm -hmm. I can see why that was, was well received. Is there a connection between Charlotte and Hornets or was that uh, from an era where maybe making those connections was not quite as important? Well, you know, I, I can't speak to it being a relative newcomer to the area to know mm -hmm. all of the history about Hornets. What I do know is that um, it, it's uh, not only within the sports teams that have used that nickname because there's a large presence of Hornets in mm -hmm. the city of Charlotte, um, but it is also in the city's crest, uh, which extends to uh, the police department. Uh, the Charlotte mm -hmm. Mecklenburg Police Department has that crest with a hornet's nest right in the middle of it. So it, you know, predated, I don't know if it predated the baseball team, probably did even back then, um, but it certainly predated the uh, basketball team in terms of that hornet's nest and the hornets uh, being identified with Charlotte for a long time. So um, in terms of us using it as a baseball franchise name, 
Um, it, it has a long history and, and we wanted to salute that. We certainly asked our uh, friendly neighbors, uh, the NBA team, uh, if we could use it because obviously yeah. it's trademarked in terms of the name. And sure. we told them, look, this is what we're looking to do. It's more of a one night to it. The team's not gonna wear it every night, uh, but it, you know, it was our name before. And so it, it ties into the um, professional baseball in Charlotte over the years. And they're very gracious to uh, allow us to do that. And so um, it continues to be very popular and uh, we're going to be bringing that back uh, for 2023 uh, in our theme night collections. And we will uh, continue that forward because it's been so popular. We're gonna wear it at least one to three times per year from here on out. Oh, it's great. Okay, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fun brand and, and I'm glad to know that'll be, that'll be coming back. But again, it's a, a more sort of serious, it's a paying homage to the to the baseball history in the town, a, a team that had some success in the AA Southern League, won a few championships. So, you know, obviously a continuation of the sort of serious approach that you all have to, to branding. One of the things that you did that is not at all serious and is very much in, in keeping with, you know, what you see in, in minor league baseball these days is uh, in 2017, you started uh, for the first time you had an alternate brand as the Charlotte Pitmasters. There's a there's a character here. You'll have to help me describe this guy, right? Like he's a little bit sort of Yosemite Sam. He's got the big mustache, but it's you know it's basically an homage to you know the the tradition of barbecue in North Carolina. So can you tell me where the Pitmasters brand came from, and you know why uh, the choice to make this sort of departure into one of the sort of sillier minor league baseball uh, rebrands? Yeah, it's not something we do lightly, but we like to have fun. I mean, look, we have serious logos and we're in a major league market. And we talked about the organizational philosophy earlier to that, but um, we still have our fun here. And, you know, we also as a minor league team uh, do copy other minor league teams in terms of their themes and things they're doing. So, you know, there were some other brands, you know, Lehigh Valley pops to mind. I don't know if they were the first that started to feature foods as part of their logos. And we thought, well, what's unique to Charlotte? Um, and barbecue certainly is, uh, you know, nothing like Carolina barbecue. So um, that was the inspiration for it. And David Ruckman, who you'll have on later, um, he really um, came up with that design and, and came up with the story. Um, so he's gonna be better to fill you in on all of the details of that. Um, but the uh, brand was was very successful. We did a lot of support for it in that year. People had fun with it. Um, and it is very different for us. So I think in that way, people gravitated to it like, oh, this is different. And the coloring's different, everything. So um, I think that that really stood out on a one-day um, event. And, and I say one day, it was that one day, but obviously there was the announcement, the lead up to it, uh, the day of the game, and then certainly all of the uh, spillover afterwards. So um, people really got into it. And, uh, you know, David did a fantastic job with that design. Well, I'll definitely look forward to talking to David about that shortly. So I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you all are uh, an affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. The Chicago White Sox have a uh, They've got an up and down history with their with their look, with their brands over the years. They've got some classic ones. And then they, you know, they very famously wore collars and shorts for three games uh, back in the 70s. And so, you know, there's they, they've had some hits and they've had some misses. But you all have an alternate brand that you have worn. Uh, it's an homage, very much an homage to the, the old White Sox uniforms from the 80s uh, with the sort of it's the dark blue stripe with the all caps and the sort of very 80s typography. 
in your version of it, you've got the tritone cap with the red brim and the blue back and the white front panel and then CLT for Charlotte across the front. I'm I'm trying to describe it, but baseball fans would recognize it immediately uh, when you saw it here. It's an audio medium here, so it's hard to, to, <laughs> to show it to everybody. You know, the, drawing on the, the anniversary of your affiliation with the team and, you know, this sort of classic look that the, the White Sox had in the 80s. You know, Charlotte, North Carolina is not that close to the south side of Chicago, but I, I'm, I'm expecting that that was well-received by fans in the area. It, it, very much so. You know, the Sox fans that are here or have followed the Knights for long enough that they've developed that link with the Sox because they followed the players up. Um, certainly it resonated with them. And I think the uh, biggest thing, too, that resonated with them are those three letters, CLT. Um, it's our airport code. Um, it is something that, um, as a city, it has been very intentional for that code, uh, like other cities have gone to, has been branded and marketed and pushed more uh, than maybe you'd see the old CHA. Well, CHA, sure, that can be the first three letters of Charlotte, but it can also be the first three letters of places like Charleston and Chattanooga and so forth. So we wanted to, um, in not only in this brand, which as you correctly identified was for the 20th anniversary of our relationship with the White Sox at the time, um, that was part of it, but we also wanted to emphasize that CLT brand for the first time. Um, and it was, it's been a huge hit. People love it. Um, and not only have we gone the CLT route, uh, we certainly have um, two other professional sports teams now that have done the same. Uh, first, the MLS team uh, that is new to town uh, started in 2022, uh, does CLTFC. Uh, we did it a few years before that, of course. Um, and then the Charlotte Hornets have also shifted away from the CHA branding and done a CLT brand now as well that was this year actually so um i think that it's been very popular to the point of the sports teams jumping on board and thankfully we were one of the first ones to do that uh, if not the first and um it's people love it and and in paying homage to the white Sox, we wear those uniforms every sunday like the white Sox wear those uniforms every sunday so it matches up um in that theme well it's cool for a, a you know for a team to have such a long standing affiliation with its parent club and to be able to, you know, to, to create fans of that team in the local mar market, you know, as you described to, to say that, you know, people in Charlotte, North Carolina are rooting for the White Sox because they followed the players through, through your market. There are several White Sox affiliates in North Carolina. Are there not the, the Winston-Salem dash? They're a That's White correct. Sox affiliate. Yeah. The uh, Kannapolis Cannonballers. Of course. So the Cannonballers. Are... Yep. Yep. So they have been a long time affiliate now as well. And that's the nice thing for the White Sox is they have three and that's the way they wanted to keep it when Major League Baseball kind of took over administration of the minor leagues um, and offered all the major league clubs, hey, what are your choices in terms of the affiliates that you want to do for longer terms than was previous? And the White Sox didn't want to change any of them because they had three teams right here, three affiliates in mm -hmm. AAA, um, their high A, so to speak their advanced A and their low A teams all right here, the ones we just described. And they have Birmingham, which is in a major metro with, a, with an airport that's very convenient for them. And obviously Birmingham has been a long time affiliate of the White Sox as well. Michael Jordan, of course, famously playing there at, uh, years back. So, um, you know, the White Sox had no desire to change and they were able to keep all of us. I saw Michael Jordan take batting practice at a spring training game in 1994. So that's, uh, that's as <laughs> cool. close as I got to seeing him play baseball was he, uh, he took batting practice, 
and he he caught warm-ups for the pitcher uh, between innings while the catcher was getting his gear on so the Very I saw nice. and then and then the game ended with Michael Jordan on deck and the batter making the last out of the game. So oh, okay. uh, I, I got really close to seeing Michael Jordan play baseball in 1994, uh, all in the same game there. So, well, um, you were able to do more than most people were back then, because uh, obviously he sold out every place he went in the Southern yeah. league and it was tough to get a ticket. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That was, uh, that was quite, quite the, quite the event when that was all happening. So Rob, before I let you go, we've talked about some of the things that you've, that you've done previously. And we've talked about the origin of, the, of, of this brand, this team's been around since 1989, not going anywhere, firmly entrenched in in the the annals of minor league baseball here. What do you have coming up? What can fans of the uh, of the team expect coming forward? Well, in addition to the Hornets brand uh, coming back uh, for this coming year and, and successive years, uh, we're also looking forward to some other uh, theme night additions that will be very familiar to fans. Let's put it that way. Um, and one that we're particularly proud of um, as part of uh, Major League Baseball's initiative with its minor league clubs, the nine, which salutes uh, oh, yeah. the number nine that Jackie Robinson wore uh, during his minor league days before his call up to the major leagues. Um, we are participating in that with a new brand, uh, the Charlotte Black Hornets. Um, so that is uh, an old Negro League team uh, that was branded that name. Uh, and we talked earlier about uh, it was difficult to exactly replicate that Hornets look from the 60s, which we did a few years ago. It was even harder um, with this one because there are just less and less uh, photos to choose from, uh, from eras. So we, again, uh, with the help of some uh, Negro League aficionados and experts in the area tried to get as close as we could, but yet still have a brand that resonated uh, in the modern era as well that pays homage to uh, the Charlotte Black Hornets. So we're very excited about that. That's going to be one of our new uh, theme nights that, again, we say theme night, but we're looking if these brands have success, which I, I'm sure they will, and we plan to have the nine each and every year moving forward, um, we're going to continue with. So um, that's just a little taste of what's ahead. And I think people will really enjoy that look once they see it. That is a fantastic initiative. I'm really looking forward to to seeing that. And uh, certainly we'll cover that on sportslogos.net when that comes out. That challenge of finding any sort of visual archived evidence of what these brands looked like, you know, especially as you you get back into the teams that are harder to find eras that are harder to find you know makes me think of the, the the portland rosebuds out in oregon who basically had to create a brand new brand based on what they thought the team might look like uh yeah, because there yeah. was just there was zero visual evidence of what it actually was so that's certainly right. i can appreciate that challenge for sure rob this was a lot of fun i look forward to getting back to a a charlotte knights game you all are featured prominently in the Helmet Sunday collection uh, behind me here. I've been there a couple of times and gotten an ice cream helmet at the ballpark. I'm going to have to track down one of the new uh, the new logos here, though, on an ice cream helmet. So that'll be my, <laughs> my challenge for 2023. But uh, thank you so much for, for joining me. Where can people find you and the team on, on online and on social media? Sure. Thanks, Paul. Uh, CharlotteKnights.com. Charlotte Knights with a K.com. And uh, you can go there and find out all the information about the Knights and all the things we have going on. And uh, when you make it down this way, when you plan your trip, look me up. I know a guy that can get you a couple tickets. So. Sweet. <laughs> I'll definitely <laughs> do it. Thank you so much, Rob. This has been fun. And we'll, we'll talk to you next time at the ballpark. Thanks, Paul. All right, everyone. Welcome back. 
very happy to be joined right now by by David C. Ruckman, who is the creator of the Charlotte Knight's most recent brand. David is the CEO, creator, creative director, grand poobah of David C. Ruckman Creative, and has not only done the, the, the current primary brand for the Knights, but has been working with the team on a lot of alternate brands. And so, David, thank you so much. This is I mean, here we are deep into a year of, of doing this podcast, more than a year of doing this podcast, and this is the first time we've spoken. So I, I find that a little bit hard to believe, but but thank you for, for making it on the podcast now to talk about the Knights. Yeah, thanks for the invitation, first and foremost. I know when you and I talked very early on, you had so many guests already lined up. It was almost like six or seven months out before you had really any opportunity to talk, let alone uh, record an episode. So it's it's great to see you succeed on this level, but uh, being here now is, is terrific, and I I'm just excited. It's been it's long overdue, that's for sure. Well, it's it's nice to finally meet you, and and you know what a what a beautiful ballpark to to be able to to go see minor league baseball in. So I hope to be able to come out there and actually join you for for a game sometime because that would be that would be really honestly the the better way to have this conversation. Yeah, you're you're right. I was lucky enough to call that field a truest field in my office since October. Well. More realistically, March 2014, all the way through uh, December 2020, uh, my my view was literally up and behind home plate. I had the skyline uh, view off to the right and just some of the best seven years of my life, not just my career, but my life as well. It's just it, it was amazing. Well, so so now you get to work with the team in uh, on, on a contract basis, I guess, as a as a freelancer or as a designer with your own firm. And you've created some some really fun brands for them. But I want to start with your your thinking behind the the current blue version of the Charlotte Knights nickname and logo. The, you know, one of the things uh, you know that Rob and I were talking about in the previous segment on this episode was that the Knights have a you know a pretty sophisticated classic brand that doesn't get into you know some of the wackiness that you see in minor league baseball, which I love. But you know, this is this team took a sort of decidedly different tack with at least with their primary brand to to not be silly. So, you know, working in this arena of minor league baseball, but creating a more serious brand, what what kind of uh, approach is that for you as a designer? That's a good question. Ultimately, minor league baseball, you'll find wants to draw that attention not only in contentious markets by and large but a lot of those smaller markets where the number one goal as an entertainment provider is to just stand out and ultimately if you're trying to appeal not only to a smaller market but to a larger region around said market i mean i can see the validation for uh, going with a bigger name that resonates with your local area and trying to draw uh, much bigger appeal with something that's silly or something that's fun or something that could become a tourist attraction for you. Uh, fortunately for us, Charlotte, North Carolina is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. It kind of has that Atlanta, Georgia light feel to it, uh, where Atlanta was 10, 15 years ago. That's where Charlotte has been for a little while now. And the, the growth is still uh, rapid to this day. Fortunately for us, you have a lot of fans in the area who it kind of covers two demos. You've got the older demo of people who remember the Knights and the baseball lore of years past. We're talking about a city that's had professional baseball here since 1892 on some level. So that alone has just so much history and so much to cover. But on the other hand, too, you have a younger audience who is always looking for, I don't want to say flavor of the month, but they always want to find the coolest, hippest new thing taking place. 
uh, CLTFC uh, with the Panthers down the street. The MLS team has just been gangbusters since they started out, and we see that success, and there's a little bit of osmosis there where a lot of that audience comes back down the street and they realize, oh, we have a ballpark here. You're like, yeah, yeah. we do. So yeah. there, there were a lot of ways where you could take this brand, uh, which was done by Brandios back in October 2013, and, and make a lot with it where – you could have some medieval look to it, but not too much. Just imply it a little bit, and then the rest of it will um, let the baseball and let the facility speak for itself. It's It was an awesome brand to start with. Um, you can't beat a classic, especially a great classic, but mm -hmm. it's always fun to add on to it however you can. Well, the, so there were some specific choices that you made, uh, you know, or that you made as a designer and that the team made, you know, sort of collectively to to introduce this blue that had not been there as part of the brand to connect the AAA baseball team in Charlotte with, you know, many of these, these major league teams that exist in the city. Why was it important to, to use color to connect the Knights brand to the other teams in the market? Well, I, I think it stems back to that palette choice, right? Because gold and silver and black and white as classic as they are, um, does it really stand out in a market that has a lot of that same color palette that you see across the board? There's a Carolina Panthers blue. There's a Charlotte Hornets teal. There's a CLTFC blue, which is very similar to the Panthers, if not an exact replicate. A lot of that city connection had already been taking place uh, before the Knights had been there. And really, while the Knights had continued to stand out as a first-class minor league organization... Uh, it, it became more important for us to find another way to add to that city connection layer that we, I don't know if we lacked it necessarily, but it was something that when you take the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania mentality of everyone being black and yellow right. and, and finding a way to still make it their own personality, mm -hmm. um, we kind of took that to heart and understood, you know, we can... We, we can more closely associate not only with the city, but we can more closely associate with the fact that we are right next door to the Panthers. We are just down the road, so to speak, from the Hornets. We wanted to put ourselves in that same conversation with them as a uh, top entertainment dollar attraction, uh, among other reasons. So you'll find that the blue we use on the caps, uh, it's actually called Blue Jewel, uh, according to the New Era catalog, but that <laughs> sits kind of neatly halfway between the Carolina Panthers blue and the Charlotte Hornets teal. And I think symbolically we choose that color because we wanted a, a more bluish uh, tinge to the teal um, just for color attraction's sake. I think it's a really beautiful color and a beautiful uh, threading, but by the same token, it also allows us to put ourselves quite literally into the mix of the larger conversation which is the ultra competitive sports uh, market here in charlotte north carolina we also thought about long term can we see more charlotte knights hats being worn by people when they go out to other facilities can we see some at bank of america can we see some at spectrum center uh, can we see some uh, throughout the city we wanted to take that conversation beyond caps and look at the on-field uniforms as well. So with the home uniform, you've got blue lettering to reinforce that thought process while still being a little unconventional, a black outline around blue lettering. We have a full-on blue pullover alternate uniform as opposed to a black, because as you'll talk to minor league baseball players about this, those darker colors and the button-up uniforms are a little hotter than we realize they are on a summer day. 
So that blue pullover style makes it a little bit lighter and it makes it a little bit easier for them to uh, play in those uniforms as opposed to the traditional white or grays. The, uh, you know, I, I have to say this from, you know, from my own perspective here, that blue, what did you call it? Blue jewel. That's the new era color. Yes. New era colors are the Crayola colors of the 2020s, I guess. But that, right. uh, that night's blue is going to look really good and an ice cream helmet. I'm just saying, you know, it's gonna, <laughs> that's, that's going to make a great looking ice cream helmet right there. So you did a, a brand, you've done a, a couple of, of brands that I wanted to touch on quickly here that are alternates for the team, uh, not the least of which is their uh, Copa de la Diversion, which is the Caballeros de Charlotte. And in that one, it's it's a little bit in a way a, a throwback to the team's original brand because it's got the horse rather than the the knight itself. What was your thinking in in going back to the horse rather than the the knight for the Caballeros brand? Well, I think you hit on it because the Charlotte Knights uh, cap that we saw in Fort Mill, South Carolina, is that same horse. And I remember conversations at the time were we don't want to change the helmet, we don't want to change the C logo. If you talk with the chief operating officer, uh, like you will the general manager, uh, they were all part of the conversations at the time where we wanted to treat that C logo and that home cap as sacred. And I think that's a, a very major league mentality to take with it, but it's a good mentality overall, just because we, we did not think at that point when we were already only five years or six years into that new brand iteration that we wanted to see significant changes to it. Um, at least on that level, we would be wearing it three, four, five games uh, throughout the course of the year. So um, the horse was much easier for us to, conceptualize and kind of throw a lot of these details in there. Whereas, um, you know, you know, changing that nice logo that early on didn't quite work. So you talked about the major league mentality and we've talked about the sort of sophisticated nature of, you know, the, the overall Knights brand, but you've, you've been involved with a couple of, you know, genuine minor league baseball, wacky logos and nicknames here. Rob and I talked about the Pitmasters, and we can revisit that brand. But I wanted to ask you specifically, in August of 2021, the uh, Knights rebranded as the Traffic Cone. And you've got an anthropomorphized uh, Traffic Cone here holding a what looks like a wiffle bat just because it's yellow. I guess it's a, you know, it's a baseball bat, but the uniforms, you know, look like they're wearing those orange safety vests and, you know, the the hats are are yellow, you know, sort of evoking the the notion of, uh, you know, the helmets that that a construction worker might be wearing in a in a construction zone. What was the thinking behind this, uh, you know, very fun kind of silly brand in in this major league market for this major league feeling team? <laughs> yeah. What a, what a departure, right? I think <laughs> we were in the 2019-2020 offseason. And our when I say we, my director of video production, Chase Christensen, and I were upstairs just one day talking about the construction that was taking place on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard all the time. We had construction across the street. We had two other significant buildings under construction. Uh, we've got apartments and lofts popping up all the time. It was kind of hard to get around uptown. Fortunately for Chase... He lived uptown, so he just kind of made fun of me as I made my way up from Fort Mill, South Carolina to work every day. But the conversations were, okay, what can we do that's fun this year that doesn't ultimately take the same things we have been doing with CLT or with the Caballeros or something else and turn it into something fun and new? And then out of nowhere, he chased as a joke, put down construction night, and that became ultimately the traffic cones in its iteration. So we 
we we laughed about it for a good five minutes or so and then brainstormed just a bunch of ideas off the top of our head but before you knew it we had an entire promotion just there on paper <laughs> so we thought okay there's something to this and i literally that afternoon when we had the conversation uh pulled up adobe illustrator we pulled up a few different images we looked into some lore relating to traffic cones the original safety cone was uh, created by a company that was owned in charlotte north carolina borrowed from an idea in los angeles i believe All so right. there's a lot of there's a lot of history uh in the pit stops along the way to the modern day traffic cone and safety cone that you see out there in charlotte north carolina which is kind of hard to believe but the tidbit too when we were approaching one of our larger partners at the time um Rogers builders we wanted to make sure that they first of all like the idea and didn't find it like offensive or anything like that but we also wanted them to, to sign off in a way that okay would you be interested in partnering what can we do to help enhance the narrative what can we do to help the uh, craftsperson community locally and they were the ones who came up with the idea well if you're going to market this can we change the face to something kinder and nicer and because we don't want to have the the same trope of construction workers being big mean and burly and this kind of sure. stuff so the the face that you see on the traffic cones cap is the only place where that face shows everywhere else it's a very nice and happy looking cone and um <laughs> fans didn't get to see that unless they bought the cap but nice. yeah the um it was a wacky idea at the time we were going to come out with it in 2020 i believe march of 2020 but of course you know, certain things happened and we ended up scrapping the announcement, but it would have been uh, Akron and it would have been Charlotte going kind of head to head that year. Um, unfortunately, by delaying it a year, we get a lot of people accusing the Knights of taking the idea and uh, whatever else. But no, it's it, it was in the Beat Lab as early as uh, September or October in 2019. Trust me. Well, I think that, uh, you know, that connection to of, of traffic cones to Charlotte is, uh, you know, gives you gives you some bona fides and in, in going with this brand here as well. So and yeah. uh, that's a totally fun brand and, and quite the departure from, you know, the Knights other brands. I do want to ask you, like I said, Rob and I already talked about the Pitmasters brand a little bit, but just from your perspective, from a, a creative perspective, I mean, this this is this to me is the sort of signature alternate brand that the the Knights have had you know, in, in recent years here, what was your thinking in creating this Pitmasters character? And how did you how did you capture the the notion in one minor league baseball brand of, you know, barbecue in North Carolina? That, that's a really good question. I think the conversation kind of dates back to really, in a sense, 2013. I spent one year as the director of marketing with the Montgomery Biscuits. And I, and I think at that time, I was so I wouldn't say enamored was the word with their brand, but I, I admired it and I respected the hell out of it because of what they've been able to do. When you see an anthropomorphized food item as your mainline brand and pull it off with such a plum like Montgomery's done, uh, that can't be quirky atmosphere is 100% what minor league baseball is supposed to be about. Yeah. So the fact that the Biscuits did it in 2013 and that by doing so 10 years after their birth kind of set off a chain of events and really the Fresno tacos deserve a lot of credit too. taking that food identity and turning it into a nationwide trend. Uh, minor league baseball teams are always looking for ways to connect locally uh, with any means they can find. And of course, food is probably the easiest way to anyone's affections, as we know. So <laughs> the the North Carolina barbecue tradition is so rich and so deep. And I think we have the uh, Piedmont style overlapping with the city of Charlotte and a lot of that southern part of North Carolina where the uh, Lexington style 
uh, an Eastern style uh, kind of change from location to location based on who you're talking to. Even that South Carolina mustard based style, which if you go over state lines, there's a little bit of that going on as well. There are so many different iterations and different terms and different words uh, taking place. I remember the initial designs I had just sketching things out. It was literally a front facing, looking straight at straight ahead, straight at you uh, barbecue pork sandwich or pulled pork sandwich rather. So I just wanted to get the ideas down where it was, you know, a sandwich, it was identifiable and there was just some goofy eyes on there. But then of course, as I'm looking, this is December 2016-ish, we all decided, you know, that there could be something a little bit more in there. Just give it another round or two of sketches. So by December, I took that home. And I think within two days, I had my sketch pad out, I had Adobe Illustrator out, and I said, you know, what What could be more baseball than just calling your shot, you know what I mean? And I hadn't seen it a lot. You see, I was thinking about Brandios and how they always incorporate the San Diego Padres uh, oh, yeah. Friar home run swing. Yep. I was like, There's got to be something else that we can do to make it 100%, no doubt about it, baseball. And of course, calling the shot just came to mind immediately. So we're like, all right, let's take a look. And just the result of that in itself was unreal i knew when my when my eyes lit up at the final product i thought okay this is <laughs> this is what we need to do that is a so, good feeling yeah yeah okay. and just from there the whole thing just steamrolled and we had conversations with north carolina's barbecue society we had uh different vendors queen city q is the official barbecue partner of the nights at the time and they had two or three locations around charlotte so it, it was an easy it was an easy incorporation of their branding and their marketing and their restaurant style with what we wanted to do they were on board immediately and just the ball rolled so fast <laughs> you couldn't really stop <laughs> it and by the time that thing was done we even had kingsford charcoal sponsoring the game in earnest giving away a barbecue smoker among other things just it's one of those beautiful moments where you, you can have a brand that seems simple at first when you talk about it, but then when you go through the motions and you just feel so much pride right away, and then you see that turn into this huge phenomenon like we saw, um, I, it, it filled my heart with such joy. And, and thankfully, at a time that it came, when I was still kind of exhausted from the 2016 season, I think that revitalized my career. And I think hmm. in earnest, it helped me um, understand what this next direction was going to be for my career even now. David, this has been a lot of fun. There's so many different brands to break down here and so much to think about with the new the new Knights brand. I'm so glad that you and I finally got the opportunity to to catch up and to have this conversation. And I'll you know look forward to having more in the future because I know you're doing uh, work in, in minor league baseball. So uh, just before I let you go, where, where can people find uh, David C. Ruckman Creative or uh, any of your other outlets on social media? Well, well, thank you, Paul. Once again, I really appreciate it as well. Uh, people can go straight away to davidruckmancreative.com. That's my home base where I showcase a lot of my favorite projects. In addition to that, on social media, I'm at Ruckman Creative on Twitter. I'm at David Ruckman Creative on Facebook, in Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, I'm probably the most active on LinkedIn, believe it or not. So okay. if you look up David C. Ruckman on uh, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm very active there. I just, I love baseball. I love the conversation. I love uniforms. I love branding. Uh, I love people. And I love just, I, I love having all these passions rolling into one. So yeah, find me, talk to me, uh, whatever you need. There's no filter on my end. All right. Thanks so much, David. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, thank you.
right, everyone. Welcome back. It is your very favorite segment on the Baseball by Design podcast. It now for the third time, bringing Dan Simon of Studio Simon in Louisville, Kentucky, back for Studio Simon Stumpers. Dan is best known for being a prolific designer of some of the best brands in minor league baseball, including the Savannah Bananas, the Daytona Tortugas, and one of my favorites that we don't talk about enough of yours, Dan, the Great Falls Voyagers. Uh, what a what a terrific brand that one is. I have been trying to get a Voyager's cap with uh, their logo orbit in the little spaceship on a dad hat for years. I, they didn't have it when I visited when I was actually in Great Falls for a game. They didn't have it. So anyway, these are just some of the brands that that you have created out there in the minor league baseball world. To my knowledge, you were not involved with the Charlotte Knights in any way. But you're here now at the end of this episode on the Charlotte Knights with Studio Simon Stumpers with a trivia question. Welcome back. How are you, Dan? I am fantastic. You were correct. I was not involved with the Charlotte Knights. My only involvement with Charlotte was flying there to uh, to get to Kannapolis because it's Kannapolis <laughs> is a basically a suburb of Charlotte. It's about half an hour north, um, and you fly into Charlotte to get there. So um, yeah, but I uh, will now have a connection to them because I'm now going to be the trivia question asker with regard to. Uh, the Charlotte Knights, so let's do it. So here you go. I'm ready. In addition to Knights, there have been baseball teams in Charlotte named the Hornets, mm -hmm. um, ones named after their twins and Orioles Major League Parent Clubs, as well as which of the following? Was it A, Presbyterians, B, Eskimos, or C, Pimentos? Presbyterians... Again. Presbyterians, Eskimos. Eskimos, or Pimentos. Pimentos. Okay, so I do not know the answer to this question. I believe. So I think I so Eskimos, Eskimos makes no sense to me. It's got to be an old team. So it okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna think this through here. Eskimos. There's really no reason why they would have been called the Eskimos. Pimentos sounds like a really fun alternate brand for a current minor league baseball team. It doesn't seem like the sort of thing they would have done like back in the day for a team old enough that I would not have heard of them or it wouldn't be jumping immediately to mind. And Presbyterians, to me, feels like exactly the sort of goofy thing a team in like the late 1800s or early 1900s would have been called. We need Josh Jackson from Minor League Baseball here to help me with this. He would know the answer to this question. But I am going to go just with out of sort of instinct and trying to suss it out with a little bit of reason. I am going to go A, Presbyterians. Paul, you are good. You're, the way you broke that down is actually very impressive. It's almost like you knew the answer to this question already and are just pretending that you didn't know it because that's it that your your thinking is exactly correct. The answer is A Presbyterians. Charlotte but but I I will say the other two names are not simply silly wrong answers. There are good okay. reasons why I I came up with those as the two wrong answers and Okay. So hear me out. First I, of all, I'm ready. Oh no, I'm very excited to hear you out. With regard to your correct answer, Charlotte is, re is actually regarded as the home of Southern Presbyterianism. Um, and that, that, that dates back to the mid-1700s when Presbyterian 
was by far the largest of several different Protestant denominations represented in the city. Um, and for one year in 1900, you mentioned, you know, the late, you just said the late 1800s, it was very close to that. It was one year away from the late 1800s. In 1900, the city's baseball team was indeed called the Presbyterians. Um, I'm figuring most likely because of the great fodder that name provided for highly merchandisable logo merchandise. So um, <laughs> it is pretty exciting. <laughs> so, but the other two names, like I said, they're not just silly names that I came up with. North okay. Carolina is known for pimento cheese, which, and it's, uh, which is also referred to as the caviar of the South. <laughs> um, and with Charlotte being the leader of pimento cheese consumption in the state, um, the city is actually considered to be not just the, the pimento cheese capital of North Carolina, but the pimento cheese capital of the entire world. So mm. that's where that name came from. But also there is, and at this point it might be, was a Dairy Queen on Wilkinson Boulevard in Charlotte. Um, this Dairy Queen dates back to 1947, um, and it claims or claimed, past tense, to have the only remaining Dairy Queen Eskimo girl sign in use. <laughs> uh, however, um, that property was, was put up for sale back in October. Um, so the days of both that Dairy Queen and, and that sign appear to be either numbered or over. So, um, okay. so people in Charlotte, for, for all of you people in Charlotte listen to this podcast, um, hit up Paul on, on Twitter <laughs> and let him know if uh, if you're familiar with that. If that it was a historic landmark, I think maybe on on the it might be on the what is that the National Register of Historic Places. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine it's a pretty unique sign with with something that you don't see nowadays. Um, so I'd be curious if it was as well known as. Uh, as I would think it would be. So sure. people let, let Paul know, and maybe in a future podcast, you can bring it up and say whether it was or not. Well, I'm going to have to see if I can't find a Charlotte Presbyterians t-shirt out there on eBay. Maybe that uh, still exists from 1900. I, I will say it it peaked. I think the reason I, I thought of uh, Pimentos being an alternate brand, something goofy that a current team would do, uh, I, I Googled this while we were chatting here. The uh, Augusta Green Jackets did, you know, as part of the food frenzy, you know, all these all, you know, minor league teams doing food-based alternate identities. The Augusta Green Jackets did a an alternate brand, the Augusta Pimento Cheese, the oh, caviar of the South, as you say. Okay, well, I guess as, be, being that it's known as the caviar of the South, that certainly makes sense. Yeah. Um, my own research pointed to North Carolina as really the 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 center of um the pimento of pimento cheese consumption so um but um kudos to that team for getting to it first yeah i don't think that they claimed any sort of special you know relationship to pimento and augusta i think they just were playing on the the caviar of the south that you mentioned so Dan, this is this has been very educational and a lot of fun, and I'm a huge fan of of Studio Simon Stumpers. I'm now two and one in Studio Simon Stumpers. I, I got off to an zero and one start, and uh, you know had to had to shake that off. And I've got a I've got a win streak now of two, which is uh, slightly 
shy of my Wordle win streak right now, which as of this morning at the time of this recording is at 370. So, wow. <laughs> so you're right. It's, well, we'll see if uh, hopefully your podcast will live on long enough for us to get to um, to 370 of these segments. Three down, 367 to go. <laughs> Dan, this is fun. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time on Studio Simon Stumpers. Goodbye, Paul. Goodbye, baseball by design listeners. See you next time.